0: Hello, and welcome to the Health and Science Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elaine Barreto, a scientist turned health coach. Here, we explore the intersection between lifestyle, psychology, and mind-body medicine to improve your relationship with your thoughts and emotions, with your body, with food, with pain, and with other people. I'll bring you the latest scientific discoveries and provide practical tools to empower you to take care of your own health. If you suffer from chronic pain, gut issues, disordered eating, or other chronic conditions, or if you just want to optimize your health and well-being to live a long and fulfilling life, you're at the right place. Let's dive in. Hello, friends, and welcome to this fourth episode of the Health and Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Elaine Barreto, and I'm so happy to be here with you again. Today we'll be shifting gears a little bit. The last past uh, three episodes, we were in a series about chronic pain, and we talked a lot about the mind and psychology and the psychological constructs that surrounded chronic pain and how we could use them to protect ourselves or heal from chronic pain, right? Right. Now we're talking uh, in this episode about another chronic condition that I really care about, given the really increasing, sadly, global prevalence of it, which is uh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes. So if you know someone that is suffering uh, from pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes, or you yourself are, please send them over or stay tuned to this episode, it might be important for you. And before we start to dive in really into this topic, which has a lot of different facets, and I would like to cover as much as I can in this uh, episode, I want to invite you to uh, visit my website, which is www.mindbodyfoodpain.com, in case you haven't yet. And you might wonder why is the name of the company, Mind Body Food Pain? And I'll tell you, in the past five years of my career, I've spent a lot of time researching the connection between these four pillars and how they could be used to help people heal from chronic conditions uh, on their own. So there are, of course, a lot of medical conditions that uh, require different kind of treatments, right? Require drug treatments and hospitalization and so on. But what really shocked me when I started diving into this space was that the most prevalent conditions all over the world, the conditions on the top five causes of death, of uh, reduced quality of life, of impairment, are preventable and reversible chronic conditions that you can address on your own through mindset, mindset changes and lifestyle changes. So I couldn't believe when I started learning more about it. And I figured I had to do a completely switch in my life and dedicate my life into educating people, helping people navigate through those changes and how they can use science, the science that's been shown uh, all, all over through these um, lifestyle changes and how they can use them to heal from those conditions or prevent them from happening so that they can live longer, but not only just live longer, but also have a good quality of life, be able to be present, healthy, feel well, and enjoy life to its fullest, right? Um, so this is based on these four pillars of the mind. We're talking about mental health, we're talking about psychology, we're talking about using mindfulness and mind-body tools, so that's where the second part comes with the body, right? The connection between the mind and the body. Uh, embodiment therapies, and how we can be more in touch with our own bodies, how we relate to our own bodies, how we move it. And then the third pillar, which is food. So not only nutrition, when we say food, it immediately comes to people, diets and, and, and nutrition protocols. But not only that, I think food is such a big umbrella. So we like to treat it as, a, first of all, how you relate to food, your relationship to food ever since you were little, how food is seen in your household, in your family, in your culture how you're connected to cooking and your cooking skills and abilities and how much you eat out, takeaway, or in restaurants or how you cook yourself and, and how you eat your own homemade foods. All of these are an important part of addressing those lifestyle changes, right? Uh, so I use a lot of that. And then the last pillar, which is pain, which we discussed a little bit already, how you relate to your own pain and how you can use those uh, mind, body, and food tools to heal from your pain. We've touched a lot on the mind ones, and there will be another episode in the future where we're going to be talking about how you can use nutrition to heal your chronic pain. So stay tuned for that one. But today we are talking about these four pillars of mind, body, food, and pain to relate to the case of diabetes. So I want to start first, uh, let's dive in, by talking about the really um, absurd, scary numbers of diabetes type 2 around the world. And I decided to focus on this episode because last week there was an article here in Singapore. I'm based in Singapore. And there was an article talking about the increased cases of kidney failure, how six people every day here in Singapore, six new people are diagnosed with kidney failure and one of the top causes of kidney failure, sadly, is type 2 diabetes, right? So 400,000 people live in Singapore with this condition. And around the world, we have over way over 400 million people, which is um, sadly more than 6% of the world population living with this condition. And this is a 49% increase since the 1990. So... It's crazy because we are not getting it under control. It is a condition which is preventable and reversible, and we still are not having it under control. So I want to discuss why this is the case and what can you do in your own life to either avoid it and prevent it and also take care of your family and your loved ones, or if you already have been diagnosed with it, how you can improve your condition and reverse it, right? And the other scary number is that pre-diabetes which is when your blood glucose is detected as elevated but not so high yet to be detected as diabetes is also already present in more than seven percent of the world population so six percent of the population has the the type 2 diabetes but seven percent is on a state of pre-diabetes which is like what happens before you uh, um, turn into diabetes right so this is also a lot of our young people. Here in Singapore, this number is very scary for the, the people in their 17, 18-year-old range. So what are we doing wrong? What do we have to fix in our population, our society, in our family to help stop this increase and, and reverse this uh, scenario, right? So that's, you can see now why I'm so passionate about it. And if you're suffering from it, I want to tell you, don't panic Okay, take a a deep breath right now with me, take a step back and realize that those numbers are just telling you, first of all, that you're not alone, that whatever we're doing wrong is not just your problem, it's a world problem, it's a societal problem and we can all come together to fix this, but you alone right now in your life, you can feel empowered with more education, with more information, with more support to start taking some small steps towards improving this condition, okay? So let's start by defining some terms. You guys already know me by now in the fourth episode, that as a scientist, I really always like to start by defining things very well, so what is really diabetes or type 1, type 2, pre-diabetes, all these words that we are try- throwing out there, right? And how does it how do the mechanisms operate in our body uh, behind this condition? So basically, I wanted to first start by saying that there's still a lot of research going on in this field. We still don't have a full understanding of what exactly is happening and the level of the cells, of the organs, of the hormones in general that leads to starting this development of insulin resistance and um, this metabolic disorder, basically. But there is a lot that we understand right now, and there is a lot we're still researching, right? So given uh, as far as we came now, given the research, I'll try to simplify it and just get like the, the nuggets of the important bits. Um, first of all, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, is caused by our changes in lifestyle through the the years, right? So what happened is, in the past, obviously, we had to hunt for our own food, we had to gather it, right? We had to consume a lot of calories in order to be able to access our food, and just for doing our daily tasks, we had to move a lot. Nowadays, of course, we move much less, we have a much more sedentary lifestyle, we have more convenience, things get delivered to us, Everything is easier, and we also have much more access to food, right? So what happens is we end up consuming more calories than what we need to use in a daily basis. And these extra calories have to be stored in our bodies in a way, right? One of the ways that those calories get stored is in the fat layers of our bodies. And the, the, the fat has evolved to um, be a very efficient way of storing and releasing fat. But when we do it in a fast pace or when we do it for too long, what, is it, what ends up happening is that there is some inflammation that starts developing uh, in the fat tissue, right? The other thing that happens is that the excess fat that doesn't get readily stored in the, the fat tissues ends up going, uh, because of this inflammation, through our bloodstream and get stored in our liver or in our muscles, right? And it can also be used then as extra energy when it needs to be deployed. But the liver and the muscles are not as efficient as the fat uh, to store this excess energy, right? So that also need, leads to some metabolical um, distress. In any case, those are the three places where our extra energy gets stored in a way. When uh, we consume, food, some of this food gets broken into glucose, right? So you're probably going to associate this word glucose with sugars, but carbohydrates also get broken into glucose, right? That's one of the reasons why people talk so often about diabetes being caused by excess intake of sugar and carbs. And I will explain that this is not exactly the case, but... Okay, once the, the, you consumed uh, some food that got broken into glucose, the glucose reaches your bloodstream, and a little alarm is sent from your brain into your other organs, so it reaches the pancreas and tells the pancreas, hello pancreas, there is some glucose in the blood, please produce insulin. So this beta cells in the pancreas... Are responsible for producing insulin. Insulin is a hormone, right? And what this hormone does is that it goes to the cells in our body and tells the cells, hello cells, please open up to receive some of this glucose that is circulating in the bloodstream so that we can store it as energy to be used later when we need it. And when your metabolism is in order and everything is going well in your body, those cells are going to open receive this extra glucose and store it as energy for use later, right? In your muscles, in your liver, and in your fat tissues. Okay. Now, when there is a misbalance there and something is going on, which is what we start talking about, this insulin resistance problem, is that even though the pancreas is secreting still the the insulin, uh, and let me just make a pause here to explain that... um, for people that have type 1 diabetes, what happens is that the pancreas is not producing the insulin in a quantity that is sufficient, right? It's either too low or basically no insulin at all. So that's why people with uh, type 1 diabetes need to take extra insulin uh, through injections and so on. Um, there are some more modern devices now that people receive these uh, sensors and it's automatically secreting insulin for them as an external device that you attach, right? But that's not the case for type 2 diabetes. In type 2 diabetes, our pancreas is still producing insulin. The insulin is being uh, secreted into the bloodstream. But when uh, the insulin uh, reaches the cells um, in the liver or in the muscles or in the fat, it will tell, hey, here here I am. Please open to receive the glucose. But those cells will say, nope, not interested. I can't hear you. I'm not opening anything. So the insulin is there, but the cells became resistant to the insulin. And this is the mechanism that the scientists are still trying to understand a bit better why that happens, right? We still have a lot of questions there. But what we understand is, so far, that one of the reasons why those cells stop listening is because of inflammation. So low-grade systemic inflammation all over the body. And also because of the way we are eating, right? So if we consume a lot of saturated fats, for example then those cells are already so full of fat, they say, I don't need any extra energy anymore. Okay, I am not listening to you because I already stored everything that I had a capability of storing here. I'm oversimplifying it, but the idea is um, that the places where where this excess glucose will actually be stored just don't get stored anymore. So this glucose continues circulating in your bloodstream because they have nowhere to go. So when your doctor will tell you to... You know, do a checkup, take a blood test, they will ask you to do this fasting glucose test, which means you haven't eaten anything when they take your blood, but you still measure high levels of glucose if you have pre-diabetes or diabetes type two, right? So what is happening if you didn't eat anything? Why is there glucose in your blood? And that's the reason, is because the glucose doesn't get stored anywhere. Whether you have too little insulin, the insulin is not enough, or whether the insulin is there but doesn't get uh, activated in the cells basically the cells don't don't connect with it don't listen to it that's the the, the question right so but the, the issue is there the this glucose is in your blood and this is not healthy right this is not going to make you feel well this will interfere with a lot of the, the metabolic functions of your body And that's why uh, this type of uh, diabetes needs to be treated, right? But now I want to open a parenthesis here, which is to say, does that mean that if you are overweight, you're going to develop diabetes, or that only people that are overweight can develop diabetes? And no, being overweight does not mean that there is something wrong with your metabolism, necessarily. You can be a healthy person and Be in quotes here, overweight, right? You can still store this fat in the fat layers through your body and not have the inflammation that I just mentioned in the beginning, right? The problem becomes when you do have the inflammation and then this mechanism of storing the fat gets defective. And one of the things that helps address this. Uh, is taking care of things that cause inflammation in the first place, right? And one of them is stress and the other one is lack of exercise, uh, poor sleep. All of those things that are connected to our lifestyle are the determinants of whether uh, we're going to have a poor metabolism or not. That's really important to emphasize here. When you have pre-diabetes. It means that you started this process of developing insulin resistance because the, the the levels of glucose found in your blood are elevated. But to be detected as type 2 diabetes, they have to reach a certain threshold. So you can see this as an alert, as a warning, as a little alarm saying, hey, hello, watch out, whatever lifestyle you're living right now is causing starting to cause your body to develop insulin resistance. So this is the time now where you can still revert this whole cycle. We can do some changes to allow this um, glucose levels to come down again by reducing this um, stored fat in your cells so that your cells will start listening to the insulin again. So what will happen in many cases is that the doctor might prescribe you some drugs, right? For example, some metformin. And metformin uh, interferes with some of those mechanisms that are related to insulin resistance. But as I explained, since the body is so complex, if the inflammation is still ongoing there, if the cause of the insulin resistance is still ongoing, that means that if you don't address those, you're just going to continue having to take these drugs for the rest of your life. Because the insulin resistance is not going to stop from building up. right? It's not going to disappear. Uh, the medicine doesn't resolve this problem, uh, because it can't reverse the process. What it does is that interferes with it, right? It it remediates it, but it doesn't reverse it. So if you really want to, if you're in this pre-diabetes state, or even if you're already on a type 2 diabetes state, and you want to start reversing the process of insulin resistance, taking the drugs, taking the metformin, is not going to do that for you. It will do it temporarily until... You can get those glucose levels in your blood to 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 uh, regular levels or until you can regulate this um, issues between the, the the storage of the glucose and the insulin production right because it's very hard to break the cycle if you're already very far up the, the, the cycle but um if you're in the beginning like if you're in the pre-diabetes or even if you're already as i said a little bit more advanced um, you can still take steps in your life to address the cycle and reverse it, right? So you might have to take the drugs in the beginning, but as you start introducing changes in your lifestyle and you keep monitoring your your glucose and uh, all the the blood markers that your doctor is going to ask you to track, you're going to be able to see over time that you're going to reduce the need for this medication. And eventually, uh, you might even be able to come off the medicine, right? So I I wanted to say that because... um, When we are dealing with chronic conditions that are caused by lifestyle, we always have to remember that the drugs will treat the symptoms, right? In this case, one of the the symptoms is uh, all these metabolic uh, disturbances caused by the insulin resistance. But medications, first of all, come with side effects. And second of all, they don't stop the lifestyle conditions that were causing the condition in the first place. So you need to help this a little bit by actually addressing the cause in the first place. If the cause is inflammation, which is caused by lifestyle, then what can you do, right? Some symptoms of um, this develops over time, slowly, right? So it's hard to detect from one day to the other that you suddenly had this Unless you're really taking a lot of frequent uh, blood tests, which I don't recommend. So with time, as this process of insulin resistance is developed in your body, you're going to start perhaps presenting some symptoms. One of them is they're going to feel more tired. Uh, So this fatigue. The other one is that you're going to be more thirsty. You're going to urinate more. So you're going to need to do more frequent visits to the bathroom to pee. Um, you're going to feel a bit more hungry than usual. You might feel numbness or tingling in your extremities, like in your fingers or on your toes. Um, and your vision might start becoming a little bit more blurry. It's hard to distinguish all those symptoms, as you can see, because those might be connected to, uh, you know, an array of other conditions, right? When we're getting into our 40s, we already have this, um changes in our vision capabilities. Um, when we are too stressed or sleeping too little or other things can also cause us to feel more tired. Or when our nervous system is out of balance, also this tingling that can happen in our extremities. There are so many other conditions that could be connected to those symptoms. Perhaps one of those that are more easy to detect are this uh, increase in thirst and in hunger, but this also could be a signal for other things. So that's why it's hard to to know that it's there. But I do encourage you to do periodical checkups with your uh, general practitioner, of course, to make sure that this is on check. But in any case, if you haven't received any warning like this yet, it's still time for you to take care of it so that it doesn't happen to you, right? Okay, so let's start by... Diving by, by diving into the food aspects. I already gave a few cues that uh, the dietary glucose uh, is what is causing this whole chain of insulin resistance cycle, right? And I already said this is not just connected to the food that you eat. The food that you eat is increasing the glucose, but the food you ate before, throughout the months and years in your life, is what caused this external fat to get stored in your cells for energy, which means that saturated fats play a big role here, okay? So, most often than not, the protocol that will be uh, um, indicated for people with... Um, Diabetes would be to reduce the intake of sugar. Of course, if you're eating a lot of sugary foods and drinks here in Singapore, we do have this epidemic of bubble tea. Um, and to be honest, a lot of the food that is consumed also in, in hawker centers and, and, and food courts here are simple carbohydrates such as noodles and um, this processed type of uh, white carbohydrates. So, of course, this doesn't help. This is going to increase the glucose level, right? So the number one thing that you can do in your life is, of course, to reduce the the, the, the sugary foods, white sugar and processed foods in general, because processed foods have also, you know, increased uh, salt, which is also not going to help your condition. If you're already feeling thirsty and peeing all the time, imagine if you increase your intake of salt, right? This is not going to help you. And... The other problem is that processed foods usually are very low on fiber. Increasing your intake of fiber is a fundamental change that you can make in your daily uh, intake of food because it increases metabolism overall, but also it affects your gut microbiome. So what the studies, the latest studies have also been showing is that the gut microbiome has a huge influence on the probability of you developing type 2 diabetes or not. This is connected to the fact that um, the gut microbiome is also connected to systemic inflammation. So if you have a lot of stress in your life, too little sleep, it tends to be the case that uh, it might increase your low-grade inflammation in your body, right? And if on top of all of that um, you have a poor gut microbiome, you're not feeding the good bacteria in your gut, What happens is this uh, systemic inflammation keeps going on and increasing and the gut is not helping it, right? So this will make the situation worse towards your uh, diabetes scenario. So what you want to do is to feed your gut with good bacteria. You do that by increasing your intake of fiber and you do that by increasing your intake of whole foods, food as they come out of nature, non-processed foods, right? Very, very important. Instead of telling people what they cannot eat and always saying, cut the sugar, cut the carbs, what we have to tell is what people have to eat more of. What should you be eating instead? You should be eating fruits. You should be eating vegetables. You should be eating legumes, whole grains. This will, you know, make you improve your gut situation. It will naturally improve your glucose levels and reverse this whole thing that is going on here. Right, So this is the first step you should be doing is increasing your intake of whole foods. Why? There were many studies now that showed that the reduced uh, risk of um, diabetes was shown in diets such as the Mediterranean diet, such as a vegetarian or vegan whole food plant-based diet, a low-fat diet, uh, the DASH diet, which is developed for people with hypertension, right? So what those diets all have in common are what I just mentioned, a larger amount of fiber in whole foods and a lower amount of fat. So if you've been eating a lot of saturated fats in your diet, right? Deep fried foods, uh, processed foods, it's time to take a step back and say, let me really evaluate how much fat do I have in my diet right now and try to decrease it as much as I can and replace it by healthier foods such as whole foods. That come Whole foods, they don't have ingredients, okay? They come straight out of the shelf from the supermarket, go into your basket, go into your mouth. You don't have to do much with them. And this is what you should be aiming towards uh, increasing in your life right now. The second step you can take towards something you might be doing too little of. So I'm always, my whole philosophy is always not to make people reduce things or cut things or feel deprived, but always encourage people on increasing the things that they are missing, right? So one of them is increasing the the whole foods that I just mentioned. And another thing that has a huge impact on type 2 diabetes and prediabetes is exercise. So increasing the amount of movement that you're doing with your body. Um, this doesn't have to be just necessarily going to the gym or start thinking about all those things that are going to be too complicated to implement in your life right now. So let's start by walking a little bit more. Are there some daily things that you have to do that you could do by foot instead of taking the transport or a car, right? Or can you increase a little bit your way to work and from home and to go home by Passing in front of this nice park and taking a little walk in there. We're talking about 30 minutes every day. So how can you find ways in your life to add this 30 minutes walk in your everyday life that you can do it consistently without disturbing too much your routine, right? Can I go play out with my kids and take them for a walk in the park for 30 minutes? In this way, I'm also spending time with them and I'm moving my body and I'm enjoying also the outdoors and the fresh air. So what can you do uh, to really embed that uh, in your lifestyle? Making it a pleasurable thing and not a burden, right? What is really important is something that will feel to you as a burden or too hard or that you don't feel like doing will not be sustainable towards the long run. What we want to do is find strategies of something that we decide we want to do forever, for our whole lives, as long as we can, right? How can I find a way to invest in my old self, in my my future self, in my health? And I know that I will have to find a way to move my body for 30 minutes every day. So how can I do it in a fun way, something that I enjoy doing instead of making it feel as a burden? So if you don't like walking, Do you like biking? Do you like gardening? Do you like swimming? Do you want to try a new activity such as a yoga or a Pilates class? Or you have to figure out in your life what is it an activity that sounds to you like it could be fun, or that you enjoyed doing in the past and you can't do anymore because your, your work changed, you're just working too much. How can you take, for example, a work call that you're doing on the phone and do it walking, Right. This kind of little changes and tweaks that you can do in your daily life to, to try to include that. So important. has really been shown consistently that people that do at least 30 minutes of exercise every day have a reduced risk of diabetes type 2. Okay? If you're struggling to do the small changes in your life, such as uh, these changes in diet that we talked about or in, in movement, please find someone that you can work with. Find a health coach that can help you really step by step walk this journey with you um, to find the best ways of how it perhaps right now it really seems to you like you can't do it there is no way and what we do is to you know reframe some of those mindsets and uh, help you find ways to include this in your lifestyle in a way that will be sustainable and pleasurable okay and then now we talked a little bit about the the, the food and uh, the movement. And what I also want to talk about a little bit, it doesn't get uh, much space in this uh, topic of diabetes, is mental health, okay? People that have diabetes, they have increased risk for depression. So it's really important um, if you're treating people with diabetes or or if you're suffering with diabetes to also pay attention to this increased risk for depression. What can we do to address that? Physical exercise will help decrease your, your depression. Uh, eating foods that are good for mood, such as nuts and whole foods, as we mentioned, and seeds and um, healthy fats will also help your brain to produce uh, the good hormones that will make you feel better overall. Okay, so when we are talking about increasing things that are good for you, also look up uh, foods that can improve your mood, Okay. And stress is a big risk, uh, because it also uh work hand in all hand in hand with depression, it will also increase your inflammation, it will affect your sleep. So stress is something that really has to be addressed in the picture of diabetes. What are the changes you can do in your lifestyle to deal with your stress? If you can't reduce your stress right now because whatever life condition you're you're facing, right? How can you find ways to manage this stress so that it doesn't impact your body as much? Have you ever tried, for example, meditation? Have you ever tried it? If you haven't, maybe this is your cue today to give it a go, to help you, you know, get more in touch with your thoughts, declutter your mind a little bit, have a bit of time for yourself. Uh, to connect with yourself a little bit, Um, very important in in stress management picture. If this is not your cup of tea, what are the other things that you've made in the past that you felt that really helped you release your stress, right? So visit that that, that mind thought a little bit. What have I done in the past that has helped me when I was really stressed to kind of chill or release, right? And then go and seek more of that. And... This other constructs that we talked about in the previous episodes of increasing self-efficacy and social support are also important in the context of, of diabetes. If you're not feeling supported right now, if you don't have anybody walking this journey with you, uh, is your family supporting you? Diabetes is something that affects the whole family because it will affect the food in the house, the, the, the movement, uh, uh, the amount of time you're going to need to dedicate for yourself So your whole family has to be on board. And if you're feeling right now you have no one that is supporting you, how can we address that? Can you find then a professional that will help you feel more supported, right? And another uh, important thing in this context is technology. We have the technology now at our hands, right? So this is something I really care about here uh, in the way that I work. I put all the content of education and the coaching sessions and everything in an online platform that you can access anytime, because I know when people are already busy and they have so many things to add to their lives that are not part of their daily routine, having another thing to do feels like too much. So having this thing in your pocket that you can visit anytime, that you can be reminded of, that you can take a break and really dive in or repeat it again if it didn't work out the first time or if you forgot and you want to revisit it, for me, it's really important. So having an easy technology access through apps or through online courses or having an online coach as myself can really help you make a, make this more accessible to people, to the communities, to society in general. And we can't forget also when we are talking about this whole connection between mind, body, and food about talking uh, about e- disordered eating behaviors. People that already have uh, disordered eating behaviors, so for example, let's say binging, they also might have a higher risk to develop diabetes because they might be craving this kind of uh, sugary or fatty foods that we were talking about. They might feel like they're having the sense of lost control around food and, or if they are restricting too much from following so many diets, they're missing all this uh, other healthy foods that we were talking about, this whole foods, they might not be in their uh, daily consumption now because they're restricting for so long. Or even when they get prescribed now a new diet, like you have to change your way of uh, eating, this might start triggering a disordered eating because they might have to pay a lot of attention to what they're eating now. And if they are doing this without support, they might start developing other behaviors towards food, right? like having a danger sensation towards food, not feeling safe around food anymore, And or being judged uh, by their peers and colleagues, especially in young people, right? They don't fit in the group anymore because they have to be so much careful about what they eat. So this really works better when there is somebody walking a long way with you, making sure that all those bases are covered, right? And I hope this overall picture helped you debunk a little bit things that always get talked about when we talk about diabetes, right? There are some of the pillars we talked about here today that don't get mentioned much, like the gut health, the the stress, the, the relation of the food, not only being about cutting sugar and carbs, but really being about adding more whole foods in your life and taking a bit care about the, the, the fat. And, you know, this is a topic that definitely deserves more diving in. I'm thinking about preparing other episodes where we can really dive in a little bit more those studies that were made regarding the the fat and um, insulin resistance, because this is something that deserves a little bit more of time. But today, my goal was really to give you an overall picture of what you could be doing now already in your daily life to, if you don't have it yet to prevent you and your family from developing uh, pre-diabetes or diabetes type 2. If you are already in the pre-diabetic state, What can you be doing right now, you know, finish listening to this episode and take a pen and a paper and think, what are small changes I can do right now uh, regarding what she said to start changing my lifestyle? How can I manage my stress? How can I improve my sleep? How can I include some 30 minutes of movement for my body? How can I increase the intake of whole foods that I'm not doing so much at the moment? Um so that I can start slowly reversing this insulin resistance process. And um, if you have other friends or family, as I mentioned, that are suffering with it, you can share those tips with them or you can get them to listen to this episode. So I really hope this helped a little bit, start painting this picture. And if you want to work with me, you will feel supported all the way. I'm going to be touching all those bases with you. I'm going to make sure you get more education in this topic, that you understand the science behind it, that we can find manageable, sustainable um, changes in your life that we can do step-by-step step without you feeling overwhelmed or unsupported. And you're always going to have this online content that you're going to be able to dive in at any time as well. So I always want to make sure this is accessible in all fronts. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to me today let's work together all over the world okay to reverse this picture of this uh increased development of diabetes there is something if there's something you can do in your schools in your local communities to help educate people to help improve you know what is being served as food helping uh, help people to move more their bodies whatever you can do right now please join me because it's such an important thing we want you know the, this planet to be left with people that can live a healthy fruitful life that they can contribute uh, to our overall well-being. And um, I think one of the ways we can do that is by making sure that people are not developing those chronic conditions that they can get out of them. Okay, so thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you'll stay well and your families as well. Take care.